Okay. Test one, two. We good there? We are Hebrews 13. We're going to look at some verses tonight. Those who rule over you. As we're wrapping up this book, I think we have, what, three more studies? So let's read in Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 9, verse 17, and verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. And then in verse 17. Obey obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then in verses 24 and 25. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, please take and anoint now, I ask, the word, your word. As I prepared things, Lord, we need you to teach us all things. We need you to bring things to remembrance that you've already commanded us that we know right well. And Lord, we want to hear the word and receive the word and Continue to do the best we can to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So please bless these things that I've prepared. Break them fresh and feed us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in chapter 13 now, as Paul, well, the writer of Hebrews is wrapping this up. (laughs) Those who rule over you. It's a huge topic in the Bible. And when we talk about those who rule over you, what we're talking about is those people that God has really given a higher standard to live and live out as leaders over his people. Right from the beginning, leaders are called to a very high calling because they're God's people. Can you hear an amen? So it's not the leader who's putting things on people. It's God who's putting things on the leaders. And we are to be leading as examples. Now, I think in probably most of our lives in here tonight, we are leaders of some, to some degree. So before we start pointing fingers, like it says, we need to examine ourselves. Amen? So the things that we talk about in leadership really apply to all of us because they deal with issues of character and becoming more like Christ and living our lives as examples to people. That's what God's looking for. He is the ultimate example, Jesus, seeking to live his life out through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that as he changes us, people look and say, you know what, that's got to be someone other than Kevin. God's doing a work and working through that person because I'm seeing something here that's of the work of God. So in Exodus 18, turn there, and I'm going to give you a couple passages. I think it's good we just turn there. So in Exodus 18 and verse 21. Just a little intro into three things I'd like to look at tonight as far as those who rule over you. In Exodus 18, 21, as Moses' father-in-law is giving, his father-in-law Jethro is giving advice to his son-in-law, Moses. And he says in verse 18, moreover, you shall, and this is just one passage that you could 
cross-reference to many others. He says, moreover, you shall select from all the people, first of all, able men. Such as what? Fear God. Men of truth. Hating covetousness. And place such over them to be rulers. And then he breaks down their, their responsibilities. Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So as Moses is being given advice from his father-in-law, this is what you need to do. Notice, it's character. Able men such as fear God. Men of truth. Now there can be very able men, but if they don't fear God, they aren't to be in places of leadership. And many times we're looking more at the abilities than we are at the humilities. Men who fear God. Men of truth. Men who, here's a big one in the Bible, hate covetousness. In other words, they're not in it for the money. They're not in it for personal gain. They're in it to give, not to seek to get. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy 16, which is the second law or reiteration of the whole thing that God had done in, in and through Moses. In Deuteronomy, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book from the front. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 18. Verse 18. Deuteronomy 16, 18. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with what kind of just judgment? Just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. Again, another huge topic in the Bible. How we treat people, we're to treat everyone equally. Not show partiality, nor take a bribe. Here we go, covetousness again, same idea. For a, bri a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of righteousness. You shall follow what is altogether just, that they may live. Notice, that they, the people, may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Leadership is essential. Godly leadership. Doing things correctly because that's what God wants to use to lead his people to having a great life. Leadership. Turn to 2 Samuel now in verse 23. 2 Samuel 23. Second Samuel 23 and verse 1. Notice, now these are the words of David. David was one of the great leaders of Israel. These are the words of the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. You know, one thing about leadership, there needs to be an acknowledgement that God's done that. Accepting that, taking the responsibility. David's doing it. He's not boasting in this. He's saying, here's what God did. I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel, raised on high by God. Notice verse 2. The spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. God spoke to David and said, David, here's the foundation of leadership. 
fear God. When you rule over people, recognize that God's ruling over you. Okay? So back to Hebrews now. There's three things I'd like to share, and then we'll get some time for dialogue, and we'll take the last few minutes to pray. You have those green cards, so if you have a prayer request, fill them out, and we'll take them to prayer at the end of our time tonight. So three things I'd like to look at as far as those who rule over you. Number one, remember their communication, which is verse 7. Secondly, consider their conduct. And then finally, appreciate their care. So number one, remember their communication. Secondly, consider their conduct. And then finally, appreciate their care. So in verse 7, he says, remember those who rule over you have what? Spoken the word of God to you. I love the foundation I've been given, and I'm, many have received the same thing. I was given that through Calvary Chapel and Pastor Chuck. Just feed people the word of God. Remember the communication of the leader. What should a leader of God's people be communicating? The word of God. Amen? They have spoken the word of God to you. So the focus of leadership in leading God's people is communicating what God has said. And I love that because it, it takes me off the hook of it doesn't matter what I have to say. What matters is what God has to say. And if we can continue to stay in the word and stay focused on the word, then God's going to bless that. He's going he's to use that to minister to his people. Again, I'm really thankful for Pastor Chuck. He passed on to me a heritage of simple things that are essential in leadership. And the first thing that he taught me is to stay focused on teaching the word of God. To feed the flock of God which is among you. To sheep, that sheep beget sheep. And healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. So if the sheep are healthy, the natural byproduct is reproduction. Feed the flock of God. Don't beat the flock of God. Amen? Emphasize, he said, what God has done, not what we're supposed to be doing. First of all, it's what God's done. Emphasize what God's done for us. And our response is God's always the initiator. So our response is to what God has done. Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you what? The whole counsel of God. Now Paul stood before leaders and said, here's what I did. I've not shunned to do that. I've done it. I've given you the whole counsel of God. A second principle that Pastor Chuck gave to me is complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. So we are dependent upon God and his power to lead his people or to be a functioning healthy church. It's not by might nor by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6. It is the spirit of God working through the word of God to change the people of God. The church is God's church, his congregation. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The personal pronouns are, in, are, pronouns are emphatic, and he said, I will build my church. It's almost like Jesus saying, keep your hands off. Let me do that work. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It's his work. The problems are his problems. Can you hear an amen? It's his people. So the people are God's people, not any leader's people. They're God's people. We are not to be building our personal kingdoms. We are building the kingdom of God. And they're God's people, they're God's problems, and God wants to work in doing what he can only accomplish in building his church. Third principle that I was given was be a servant. Now, these aren't Pastor Chuck's. These are biblical. But I heard these over and over again, and I saw them demonstrated in the life of Pastor Chuck Smith. And I hope that each one of you have the same kinds of examples. We need those examples, don't we? Those who rule over us. Ministry means service. So a minister is a servant of the Lord. Live not to be served, Jesus said, but to serve and give your life for God's people. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. The way up is the way down. Pastor Chuck said, if you should stand tall in God's church, you must learn to be on your face before him. Be a shepherd, not a hireling. Make your people the best fed, best loved sheep in the world, is what he said. That's what he set out to do with Calvary Chapel. And a fourth principle that I've appreciated continuously is to live a simple lifestyle. It has to do with, it can, that can obviously apply to covetousness and those kinds of things. And there's a lot of leaders that are in it to make money. They're in it to profit. They're hirelings. They don't care about the sheep. So Pastor Chuck would say, don't be, don't be flashy, but plain and ordinary. Just live a simple life. He said, once your standard is above your people's, you are no longer a servant. Feed the flock of God. Don't fleece the flock of God. So I endeavor to follow in the pattern an example that I've been given in my, from my pastor to do the same. Now, the only way that's going to happen, I feel, is to, number one, stay in the Word of God. Personally, stay in the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in me His truths. Be teachable. Be correctable. And make sure that God can do what He wants to do in my life so that He, like Paul told Timothy, take heed to yourself and the doctrine before He ever said, so that others may also prosper, take heed to yourself. So consider, first of all, remember their communication. Now, communication isn't just words, the word of God. It's living, how we live as people. And then he says, consider their conduct. Notice in verse 7, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now, we just got done with the whole study on the school, right? And that firm faith, James says, faith without works is dead. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So if my spirit's out of my body, my body is useless. The, the idea James gives there is, if there's not something that you're doing to demonstrate what you believe, then it's dead. So faith without works is dead. So considering the outcome of their conduct, how are they living? Paul wrote to the Philippians, said, verse 1, Chapter 127, he says, only let your conduct, it's interesting, only let your conduct, he's coming off of an application, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Is that not a prayer of our hearts? First Timothy, Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer in word, in conduct, in spirit, in love, in faith, in purity. The admonitions that Paul gave to Timothy, who was his son in the faith. In Thessalonians, Paul wrote, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the scriptures, there's those, those evidences that Paul points to and prays for that his disciples, those he's training, will be walking in a manner that's worthy of the gospel and evidenced by how they live. We are to consider, like he says there, considering the outcome. That word consider means make a thorough examination. In other words, leadership should be scrutinized. Leadership should be examined and seeing these things. It's very important. Now, notice in verse 8, coming out of this exhortation, considering the outcome of their faith, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, what is he saying there? He's saying that the example is Jesus, and Jesus doesn't change. His example is a perfect example. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the example that we follow in leading is Jesus. Can you hear an amen on that one? He's our example. Isn't that fantastic? Because leaders will fail. Leaders will make mistakes. Leaders are not perfect. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said to his disciples, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Jesus is our example. We must have examples who are themselves learning about Jesus, who are themselves looking to Jesus, who are themselves listening to Jesus, and who are themselves living for Jesus. Amen? As leaders teach us about Jesus, we understand what Jesus is like. Not just from what they're saying, but from how they're living. They're an example of Christ. We see Jesus in them. We see them becoming more and more like Jesus. We see them growing alongside of us. They do what they say. Not perfectly, but consistently. They walk their talk. What they lip, they live, is leadership. You see, Jesus is changing all of us from glory to glory. But there can be that tendency to sort of change Jesus so that I get the glory. So that somehow, all of a sudden, it's myself that the people are focused on. I heard someone say one time, you know, I was listening and the vessel just, you could just taste the vessel a little bit too much. Because what there's, it just was drawing attention to themselves. And I'll tell you, that's what I also really appreciate. Some of you, Lowell, I know you, and some of you know, were on Pastor Chuck for a while. I'm telling you, he never sought that. He never sought the lamp, the, 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 the spotlight. In fact, many times he would exit so that wasn't happening. I so appreciated that, just walking humbly with God. But there are times when it just tastes of the vessel a little bit too much. 
It's a little bit too much going, and sometimes it's blatant to the vessel, is it not? On TV sometimes, I sit there and I'm ashamed at some of these faith people that are representing Christ, and it's just, it's, it's abhorrent to see what they do in the name of Christ. You see, we need examples whose faith we can follow because they point us to Christ. The outcome of their conduct, that means the example that they have for us to follow is Christ and Jesus. Paul wrote to the Philippians again saying, Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul was not shunning the fact that he had a responsibility to live out for Christ. He could actually point to that without tasting in that sense. Because he always said, imitate me as what? I imitate Christ. So he pointed them to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said, in 1st chapter 11, he said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians 4.14, he said, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. This is leadership. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, he said, I urge you to imitate me. Paul said, I'm your dad your spiritual dad, and nobody cares about you more than I do. Nobody cares about your, your conduct and your life than I do. I tell my kids that once in a while. There's a lot of guys out there a lot cooler than I am, <laughs> but nobody cares about you as much as I do. You're my son. You're my daughter. He said to the Ephesians, Paul again, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as God, Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Paul pointed to Christ again. Here's what it is. Here's who it is that we're following. Now in Acts chapter 20, turn there. I'd like to read some of that just to glean again from Paul's life. Paul in chapter 20 of Acts in verse 17 well, in this, act, in this chapter, he's called the Ephesian elders, the overseers, the rulers, to himself on his way to Jerusalem. In verse 18 of chapter 17, it says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, Acts 20, 18, From the first day that I came to Asia, notice, in what manner I always lived among you. Paul was a consistent example in living out his relationship with Christ in leading people. Notice, serving the Lord with all humility, literally with all humility of mind, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Paul had a tough life. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Now, repentance toward God. That was a major part of Paul's message. We've got to keep getting right with God. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25. And indeed, now I know that you all, now Paul is from the south, that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, therefore, take heed to yourselves... 
and to all the flock among which the who? Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which is among you, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul said this is significant. Understand again, God's people, he purchased them. Notice verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to what? Draw away the disciples after who? Themselves. Not Christ. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, verse 33. Principles of leadership. Those who rule over us. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Paul was working to support those with him. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Boy, what a fantastic testimony. And God's word is given to us through the life of Paul the Apostle, one who ruled over them. Paul's admonition to Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Another important aspect in leadership is that we're begetting leaders. Four generations, Paul tell, tells Timothy. He says, the things that you've heard from me, among many witnesses, Timothy, second generation, you commit to others that they may also commit it to others. So Paul's looking down the road and saying, Timothy, you're ruling over God's people, but you're not going to be around forever. There's a need that you have to be ministering the example and the word of God to others, raising them up and seeing God then work through their lives. And that is the heart of any leader, wanting to see others raised up because we're not going to be around forever. Can you hear an amen from the old guys? <laughs> So in 2 Timothy, turn there. Let's look at a couple more. I'll load it up on you. As far as us and those who are leading in the church, rulers over us, or those of us who are called to leadership. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul again, this is his son in the faith. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's whole focus was to see God's people grow, be healthy, beget sheep. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. In other words, God's not going to miss the beats. We may, but God is going to be continually because he loves his people. He'll work through other leaders. He'll work through other people. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Here it is. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3.10. Again, Paul in, in writing to Timothy 
said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, and then faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, affliction, and so on. Paul just lists, here's what it means, and here's what you saw in my life. Look at chapter 4, verse 1, and I won't go into this. We've talked about this recently in some studies. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine. Paul's saying, hey, if you care about the sheep, you teach them the word. You preach the word to them and continue to do it. Be ready whether it feels good or doesn't feel good. Be ready whether it's tough or easy. Be ready when you feel like you're, you're hitting it right on the mark and when you feel like <laughs> you might as well close the Bible and go home. Just keep doing it. Keep teaching the word. Notice verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In Hebrews it says, hey, Consider their conduct. How are they living? You see that example there of Christ. Now back in Hebrews again, verse 9 of chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 9. Coming off of this whole idea of considering their conduct. He says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So he's saying, hey, you know, look, 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 there's never been a shortage of these things in the church. Of various and strange doctrines. And some of them are really strange. When you have people barking like animals, that's strange. Amen? There's just a lot of strange things that come up. Why? Because they get away from the word of God many times because they want something about their own ego they need stroked. So they get off into these weird things. Paul said he himself gave some of the apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, some pastors teach for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, that we should no longer be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Okay, we need to be established in the word, know the word, firm in the word, amen? So we're not blown about. Leadership, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are those given to the church to focus the church and found the church and, make the, and feed the church and further the church. That's what those are there for. How? The word of God. In the word of God, teaching the word of God. So we're not blown about, but we're growing and solid. Do not be occupied with food which have no profit. Now, there are a lot of Christian teaching that gets off into the external, focused on the external things that really have no profit spiritually. In fact, they can feed self-righteousness. When these various and strange doctrines are what occupy the church, they always emphasize outward things which have no spiritual benefit for those who practice them. Why? Because they do not establish the heart by grace. Rather, now we have a means by which you can be more righteous. You just keep those Old Testament ceremonies. It will add to your righteousness. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. We can appreciate and be blessed by doing those kinds of things and seeing the meaning in them, but they don't help us in establishing our hearts by grace. They can actually get in the way of that because now all of a sudden it's what I eat. And what you're, what you're eating is really detracting 
from your faith in Christ. Paul didn't say that. He said what? All things are lawful for me, but I'm not going to be brought into the power of any of them. Paul had a liberty in Christ to enjoy life. He probably had a ham sandwich somewhere along the way as a Jew. (laughs) What happens can happen is that these kinds of restrictions and rules and regulations can actually establish a a person in legalism and self-righteousness. What we need to be established in is the grace of God. And that's what, again, I'm thankful for Calvary Chapel. Pastor Chuck focused in on the grace of God. We've been saved, how? By grace through faith. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. For out of the mouth proceeds these things. Well, what goes in? Jesus actually said it's eliminated. You know what you eat? Some of it goes in to help your body and the rest you eliminate it. And it says there, thus purifying all foods. Paul said, hey, the the food is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So when you sit down to eat your McDonald's, just pray. You'll be fine. I'm kidding. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not espousing this temple needs to be taken care of. Can you hear an amen on that? But vitamin C, in my mind, is a good Coke. Just kidding. (laughs) Kind of. But the point is, it's not what goes into my body that defiles me. I can be established by grace and have a great Big Mac. See, but when we get focused, oh, 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 we forget That what God is working on is our hearts being established in the grace of God to enjoy life. And then understand that if I'm going to enjoy life, I better take care of my body. That just goes with the territory. Garbage in, garbage out. We're not taking care of these temples and watching over them. We're going to pay the price somewhere down the road. I understand that a lot more now at 61. Why are you laughing? You know what Paul told the Colossians? He said, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. He said, hey, to Colossians again, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. Above. May God help us, amen, to be so founded in spiritual truth that we're founded in it and we're freed by it to enjoy life. Enjoy what God set before us. Because one day this body's going to be gone, amen. Finally, final thought appreciate the care of those who rule over you, that they care about you. Paul says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, verse 17. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. James says, don't desire to be many teachers because there's going to be a stricter judgment. You know, when I read these things, again, I take these things as best as I can to heart. That with greater responsibility comes greater accountability. And first of all, as a leader, there's a calling on your life in leadership. It's not just something I've 
sort of attain to? Has God called us to that? And we have been called to that in many different ways to lead, be examples. But with that comes accountability. Responsibility brings accountability. And he says here, hey, appreciate the fact that what they're doing is, yes, a calling, but it comes with a great accountability before God. He says, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, as best as they can, they're caring for us. But even in their care for us, they're not going to give an account of your life. There's still going to be something you're accountable for. And so if it's with grief, that means there's something going on with you that you're going to give accountability to God for. So it doesn't remove that at all. But here, as Paul, the writer of Hebrews, is wrapping it up, he says, hey, know this. They care about you. And they also understand they're going to be accountable for what's happened in your life. You know, I never have, and I don't believe I, believe I ever will meet a leader who does not need the joy that comes through encouragement and appreciation. I have never met one, and I don't think I ever will. When someone comes up to me and says, I appreciate, it is so needed for every one of us. And that joy that comes in just hearing an appreciative, and that's why he says, I believe he ends it, hey, greet all those who rule over you. Greet them. Welcome them. It's so needed for leaders to be appreciated, to hear a good word, to hear that, hey, God did something. God spoke here. So it's verse 25 in closing the book, which we'll be getting to. Grace be with you all. Now, in 2 John, he said, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. In 3 John, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, that your soul may prosper for I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in truth. Then he said this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It's a joy to the heart of any leader. It's a joy to the heart of any dad or any mom to see their children walking in truth. Amen. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit. So, Lord, again, thank you for this word tonight. It's just a wonderful reminder in so many ways of your great love and example and testimony of how you lead, Lord, us. You love us. You demonstrated that love to us. You came and served us and gave your life a ransom for us. You took the first step in showing us what it means to love and lead. And so, Jesus, we bow before you in our hearts, before this word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that our hearts are to be established in grace. We pray, Lord, that you would free us from these, these tendencies we have toward legalism and self-righteousness, that we can find a place of real rest because, Lord, you are over all things. You are over all things, Lord. And you've been gracious to us. We'll continue to show the kindness of your grace toward us throughout all eternity. So, Lord, bless this word. Bless our discussion. Bless our prayer time now, I ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said.
Amen. Okay, so there's some thoughts. So we talk a little bit and then we'll get to some prayers.